Welcome to the Pen and the Yod. Rabbi Michael Siegel of Ansham at Synagogue in Chicago talks with author Jonathan Eig about this week's Torah portion of Bamidbar, the teacher as a parent and the parent as a teacher. Who was the most influential teacher that you ever had? Wow, that's a tough one. Um, you know, I've had really great teachers. I'm very fortunate. My, my parents are certainly my, my biggest teachers. But if I had to pick a school teacher, I might go with my 10th grade English teacher, Mrs. Thornton, who just made me feel like I like I was good at this. Uh, she just really filled me with a lot of confidence. She used to ask me, while, while we were writing um, or taking a test, she would sit up at, the, at her desk doing the crossword puzzle, the New York Times Sunday puzzle. And sometimes she would call me up to her desk as if she needed to like review my work with me, but she would really like quietly ask me for help right. on the crossword puzzle. <laughs> and and uh, that made me feel so good that like, you know, I was qualified to help an English teacher with a crossword puzzle. And I, I just, I, I still remember that really fondly. It's such a nice statement about you that you didn't feel exploited in the moment, but rather it was. A <laughs> I probably should have been worried that I'd be, you know, identified as a super nerd. <laughs> <laughs> that I'd be picked on for it, but I was oh. I was so excited about helping with the puzzle. There goes that eye kid again, Mister Words, <laughs> teacher's yeah, pet, teacher's pet, right? Uh, that was actually never a problem for me. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I also have been blessed with teachers who have um, opened my eyes to things, or those teachers that actually believed in me in a moment that where I re- where I really needed that uplift, I really needed that support. I, I remember uh, one of my teachers from the seminary looking at me, and I was in a Judaic program in an undergraduate school, and I really wasn't thinking about the rabbinate. And he said to me, um, having me in class, he said, you know, you would be a good rabbi. And I, I was just stunned. I said, me, I. Um, and and I think that moment kind of just uh, gave me the uh, reassurance and opened my eyes to what, what was possible. So if you want his name and address to send him a complaint, like you didn't know what you're talking about, I'm happy to supply it. But in our portion this week, you have a very interesting statement about the power of a teacher. And like most rabbinic commentaries, it's not immediately obvious from the text, but it's what the rabbis do with the text that that really lends not only beauty, but the profound statement. So the portion of Numbers, which is has to just the opening portion of the book of Numbers, and it dealing with the early census as the people are preparing to enter the land, there's a statement that says, this is the line of Aaron and Moses at the time the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai. And what happens next is that it lists Aaron's sons, but it doesn't even mention Moses' sons, Gershom and Eliezer. And so you have to wonder why that is. Why doesn't the Torah mention them? Are they not worth mentioning? Are they suffering from that syndrome of the children of great leaders who often don't amount to anything or have been over so overshadowed by a parent that they don't. Um, you have you know Isaac in the shadow of Abraham, right? So it's not like this is a new syndrome, but maybe it's something else. What do you think? Wow, you know, you, you, you're putting me on the spot there, but I wonder if Aaron's children were 
you know, we're also students of Moses, uh, that, you know, Moses was not only teaching his own children. Maybe Aaron's children were the, were the better students that, who, who worked harder in, in class and did. I really don't know. I'm taking uh, some guesses here. Well, I think that's a very good guess. I, you know, Moses has an honorific title, according to the rabbis. It's Moshe Rabbeinu. Moses, our rabbi. Moses, our teacher, really. And so, in a sense, Moses is the great Moreh. He is the great teacher of Israel. And when you have a great teacher, the relationship is so profound that the rabbis are saying it's as if a child has biological parents, but also parents who are teachers. Which I think is a really powerful statement, that they help shape you in a whole different way. And I think that's what we were talking about at the very beginning. Yeah, and it strikes me that you know we're we're really learning a lot about the value of teachers this year during the pandemic because you know we are all having to take on more responsibilities with our kids in helping to educate them and filling in for what they're missing by not being in school. But it makes me realize that you know how much of uh, what we call parenting really does go on in school and not just in the classroom, but at soccer practice and and everything else. You know, we are really lucky to have good teachers all around us, not just in the home, but what we do as parents is certainly an important role in teaching. But it's it's not the only one. What's interesting, there is a very beautiful title that's given to parents. So. Someone might say, you often see this, by the way, on traditional gravestones, a reference to the parent as a teacher. And so people will refer to their parents as Avi Mori, my father, my teacher, or Imi Morati, my mother, my teacher. And it's an acknowledgement that they have been a teacher in, you know, maybe uh, maybe in the written word or with mathematics, but it's also they've been a teacher in the way that they've modeled behavior for their children. But as you were talking about the pandemic that we've been enduring this past year, a lot of parents have actually literally played the role of school teachers as well this year. And I think you're right that we have really been learning about the 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 power and the value of teachers in a whole new way yeah and it makes you realize (laughs) a that it's hard and b that you know i'm not qualified in many ways not just in terms of the like in teaching you know algebra but where it's painfully obvious but in other ways too just the, the you know the patience that it requires and the you know the attitude that it requires and i think that you know we end up being teachers in in ways that are unintended because we reveal a lot about ourselves to our kids when when you spend so much time with your kids these days you know they never leave the house practically and we're all home together all the time. Think about what you're teaching your kids just in terms of the way you spend your day, the way you react when your patience is short. You know, it's all out there for them to see right now. And, and that's, that scares the hell out of me sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, it's interesting that one of the most important prayers we have, we say the Shema and the Via Hafta, which is recited twice a day. It says, Vishinantam Levanecha. And you will teach your children. It's a daily reminder to parents that they are the primary teacher for their children. Vishinantam levanecha. And it's interesting, the term that's being used is the same word that, that forms the word Mishnah. It doesn't mean lamad, that's a normal word for study. But vishinantam really means to repeat. It's a repetition. 
And so consistency is important also. It's not just teaching by saying the same thing over and over again, but it's also being consistent in your behavior, which is, I think, a real challenge for every parent, right? Because we're not always consistent. We don't always move in a straight line, at least I don't. And that's challenging. And we have to acknowledge when we haven't kind of measured up, right, to our children sometimes. Yeah, right. Part of the problem is that you don't know which lessons they're going to remember. You know, the ones that you think you're giving out uh, might backfire on you because they are perceptive and they pick up on things. I know I think about what I remember most about my grandparents or what I remember about how my parents helped me with homework. It's probably not an accurate picture. It's just, you know, whatever happens to have made an impression on me, it makes you feel like you're on duty all the time, that you're being watched all the time. But you don't know. That's the problem. You don't know what they're going to, what the lessons they're going to draw from this behavior of yours. Right. It's become more popular in recent years to have family members speak at a funeral. And when children want to speak at a parent's funeral, I obviously help them make that happen, facilitate that. But I'll often say to them, try to make your comments anecdotal. Mm -hmm. Speak about things that only you would know about your parent. And what you'll hear from them are these extraordinary moments that are extraordinary because of what they meant to the person, but they're not kind of these pinnacle moments in life. But I remember when my father took me on a trip once, or we went fishing, or we went for a walk, or we would get ice cream, um, a certain, you know, a certain place, and he would get this flavor, and I would get, we would laugh, and he would tell me the same joke. Whatever it is, those moments matter and also, they will often tell you the lesson they learned. My mother, my mother taught me what it meant to be forgiving. My father taught me the value of this or that or hard work. On it goes. But I think it's a very powerful thing about how lessons are being learned. And the ones that, as you said, that you think will be remembered, you know, when you sat down and lectured your child about life and the rules of life, that's probably not the lesson they're going to remember. They're going to be remember when you were kind to someone or you were there for them or held them tight when they needed it. And that goes back to Vishinantam Levanecha, that you are teaching your children in repetitious ways by what you do on a daily basis. Yeah, we often say in writing, um, show, don't tell. You know, show me how someone acts. Don't tell me what their personality was like. You know, give me a detail, you know, an example from their life. Give me an anecdote. Uh And that's what you'll remember. Don't tell me he loved dogs. Tell me what kind of dog he had and what the dog's name was, right? You know, the the more details you can give, that's how you teach. It's by by what you do, um, not not what you say sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I just want to take this in a little bit of a different direction by saying that with that knowledge that a parent has, that their children are always watching and they're imprinting them by what they do, it's an awesome responsibility of being a parent. And I think that it's been a real challenge in the past year. But I will remind you that in Hebrew, the word Torah means instruction. But it's interesting that a teacher is called a morah, a woman for a, for a female, and a moreh for a man. And it's based upon the same term. So in a sense, a teacher is one who displays or models Torah. 
that's the best teacher, the ones who teach you those lessons about kind of raise you up to something higher or examples of the way that we should be acting and how we should conduct ourselves. And um, we all have teachers who have fulfilled that. But hopefully as parents, we're also a good mora or mora as we go through life. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Rabbi.